Welcome to the Atlas Project. It's a new world. To navigate it, we need new maps. Each episode, best-selling author Chris Katana and Scott Jones saw 50,000 feet above the immediate headlines in politics, economics, science, and society. The Atlas Project aims to reveal the big picture of where humanity is headed and the choices we all need to face. Chris, my friend, hello. Happy, what is today? Happy Thursday. <laughs> it's not Thursday. Wait, it's Friday. It's Friday. <laughs> well, it's Friday. Happy Friday. Even better. <laughs> hey, look, I can, I can identify the day of the week, you know, within one day without even looking at a calendar. Hey, well, wow. That's, that's, I mean, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty that, impressive, right? That's a special skill. Is it though? <laughs> well... <laughs> You have been traveling, you know, so I mean, you know, I, yeah. you know fair, fair I could do it within. You know, that was pretty impressive. Okay. So here we are talking about frames a little more. This is leading up into our base camp conversation that's coming up on the twenty first. Correct, twenty first of March. Yeah, twenty first of March. Really looking forward to it. I mean, we've we've really we've really set the table. I think for. For an an ambitious conversation, where I think we can all really come out of it with a, you know, like bringing together cognitive diversity for you know for a cognitive edge, and and to me this is a great example of the kind of question that, you know, it it, it can generate an impactful conversation, and and it's going to have a lot more impact if you're talking about it with other people who think differently from you, um, you know, and what it's is probably the, yeah, it's going to be the most universal conversation we do or one of i mean it's it's because it's something that everybody lives in with and through this is something that 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 nobody can avoid because when we're talking about frames we're talking about kind of the interpretive lenses and stories that shape our reality right that allow us to see reality as not just a bunch of discrete kind of things but some kind of unified picture that we can you know, we can talk about, describe, ask questions about, debate, uh, dialogue about. So yeah. without without frames, none of this would be possible. And and you know, and I like you know that the question has been has been said is you know what does the frame make you see? It is an invitation to to recognize and explore that you know these frames they they have agency. Like it's not just not just what do you see, but it's you know what what is the frame out there that 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 is shaping you whether you know it or not. Um, how is it shaping what you see and 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 what you can't see? I'm I'm really curious. Just you know when you hear that question and think about uh, your own life, you know what does the frame make you see? What what sort of stuff arises in you? Yeah, I, I, I think about, so first of all, I, I think about how we see persons, right? There's there these kind of, um, there was a guy, Harold Turner, who was a, he's a he was a New Zealander and uh, sort of an intellectual historian. And he wrote this book actually called Frames of Mind. And it had all these neat little charts. That's what I like about. But uh, in it, he talked about uh, three... He thought he thought there were three root frames, mm. right? He thought there was the oceanic frame, where reality is really an ocean and diversity is an illusion, 
right? So he thought you saw this in, in certain kinds of Eastern religions, like you saw it in different ways in Hinduism and Buddhism. You see it in certain kind of middle Platonism, you know, like Plotinus and people like that. And so that's the idea that diversity is really an illusion. The, the, the universe is really one big ocean of being. Then he talked about the, the atomistic worldview, where unity is an illusion, where everything is just the smallest total of its parts. So you're a bunch of atoms, and a family is a bunch of individuals, and a city is a bunch of families. And, you know, and so, so the, the everything, the most real thing that you can discover is, is the things at the most atomistic individual part. Hmm. And then he talks about the web frame, which he thought was Semitic and, and you find in Africa that says, I am I because we are we. And where unity and diversity are, are interdependent realities. And that's one that he actually personally had a, kind of a preference for, I think. Uh, but, but I, I think about that because for for someone in late modern America or Canada or Europe, I think the atomistic thing still kind of rings true. Hmm. That what's most real is you as an individual, right? That you are like a, a group is a is a bunch of individuals, right? Is is a kind of you hmm. know, or again, I think in experimental science, like we're always trying to see breaking down things into constituent parts to understand what they are and how they work. Hmm. So I, th I think that, that, that to me is just a basic thing that comes to mind is how you, like what, when you see another person in everyday life, what do you see? Right. Hmm. Do you see someone that's really the same part of the same reality as you ultimately, you're both part of the ocean of being, hmm. or do you see someone that is, that's really different? Like that's, that's a different constituent reality than you. Um, and that, I think that affects the way you think about, you know, the way I think about rights, the way I think about uh, this is my project that I get authorship of, that I get, you know, like, it's just, it, it, I think those kinds of things, that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's just, as, as when you get up and start walking around and thinking, where does the boundaries between you and the world end? And it's interesting having just sort of gone through, well, and still going through a global pandemic where, you know, kind of that web identity there's been a lot of opportunity to kind of recognize that that i am i but we are also we and and we're inextricably linked in in this web of of what is i think um it's so interesting that i i, I love that that kind of three-part typology because if if you take as a starting point that yeah, I mean, certainly in the, I guess the society that I've grown up in, the the kind of the atomistic frame is, is, you know, is is heavily built into um, institutions and incentives and and all sorts of things. If I look at kind of the world today, and you know, talking you know in a lot of different contexts and you know, business and policy and arts and stuff like that, it seems like no matter who I'm talking to, every second conversation. Um, we're talking about ecosystems. This is like the new buzzword for people who are kind of trying to think their way through what's going on and how do things improve is, is sort of recognizing that we've been very atomistic and, and we need to figure out how to function uh, at an ecosystem level. And, and that's where the insight ends. I mean, the, the, the conversations always reiterate that point and everybody gets nodding and then nobody really knows, um, 
how to make the leap to to a different way of of looking and uh and acting you know and 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 in any context like talk about you know you know one interesting frame to think about is leadership okay you know you're the leader scott and and we have this whole understanding of what that means um there's a kind of linearity in our conception of leadership um and then you'll be in a, a thoughtful conversation about no, no, the life is more of an ecosystem. Like, oh, okay, so you know, so we need somehow more emergent and indirect management then. But what does that mean? Like we've never seen it, we don't know how to we don't know what it looks like, and so it's really hard to be aware of it. And I wonder if that's part of the you know, where this might be going. Not like tomorrow, but over sort of the next 10, 20, or over the next several years and generations that we might just sort of, our frames might change in a way where, where we're a lot more aware of, 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 you know, the connective tissue of our reality. Yeah, I, I hope that's the case. It, one, one of the interesting <laughs> yeah, things. Sounds like the nice, nice version of the future. <laughs> right. I mean, one of the things that as an American that, that, strikes me as is remarkable is the degree to which a libertarian strain in American political discourse and life still is pretty strong. And for everything we know about how interconnected we all are, right. And how your decisions affect my decisions and how we're in, we're in, we're in shared ecosystems all the time, but then we revert to a kind of political discourse or at least a big chunk of the country does that that acts as if we are discrete, independent, hermetically sealed actors. Very often, that that as long as I'm, I, I think I'm not affecting anybody. Uh, I'm not, and and that that's it, it, yeah. The other thing I was thinking too was that even Turner's book is a frame, right? Because it works neatly because there's three, and 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 I'm and I, and again, I don't think it's I don't think it does violence to reality or anything, because. Um, I see the truth in it, but also once you start to say, well, there's three root frames. Well, then like if something looks like it's like when they, it's like when they in hmm. explorers discovered the duck billed platypus, I guess in Australia and they were writing about it and they sent a, their corpse back to England and they were like, you sewed this thing together. Like nothing, <laughs> nothing exists like this. Right. So, you know, if, if a frame comes about, if, if, if a frame that doesn't fit in the topology we either say it's not a real frame or you ram it into one of the other three. <laughs> yeah. So even, even a way that's how that, that is, is trying to elucidate frames of mind. Often there's just a kind of, there's a framing that an analysis of frames does. Well, so yeah, so this is, I mean, this is the, I guess the, there's no question that when we talk about our frames and what they make us see, we're, we're navigating very subtle waters in a sense. Um, because, you know, some, some of the frames, you might, might call them forms. I mean, we, we cannot live without them, and they do useful work. Think of, think of a book uh, or, or a magazine. You know, there is a you, – you pick that up. You pick up that device, and, and you, know, you know what to do with it. You know how to navigate it because it's a book. There's going to be – a table of contents. There's, you know, maybe going to be an index. It's going to go from 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 left to right, from front to back. There is so much that 
you know, I expect the world to be this way and, and it is this way. There's a whole, you know, nowadays, you know, every, every app maker has somebody who does UX who works on the user experience. And, and, and I, I think UX developers think that this is something new that they do now, but you know, there, there is deep UX. There's a user experience design and all sorts of thinking, very careful thinking about, about books, about, about magazines and how they're laid out. And they're working with frames that they know are out there in society. And they're, they're conforming to them in, 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 in subtle ways. And then, you know, at the same time, there are, there are frames that, you know, just stay on books, like take the Bible, for example. I know you and I had this conversation, but how, you know, uh, the Bible as it exists today, when the individual components of it were written, nobody knew that it was going to make up a Bible. Like, I'm, I'm just writing letters to this, like, weird, you know, kind of Christian group over there on that island that I visited, and I'm going to send them a note. But I didn't read, I, I didn't write it with an awareness that this is going to become the holy text. Of, right, and the uh, people writing the New Testament, they had a concept of a holy text by then, because th- there was a formation of the Hebrew Bible. It was disputed what was canonical and what wasn't in, in first century Judaism. But they knew what a Bible was by the New Testament time. Of the, but they didn't think they were writing one. <laughs> like, they didn't imagine like a second half that would be inserted into the sacred text and, and you'd have two parts of it. I mean, they, weren't, they, they didn't have any concept of that. And so, and then, and so it changes for, for us what, what those contents are that they've been packaged in a different way and framed in, in a different way. And it, it occurs to me that, you know, like people and maybe famous people are the easiest example of this where, you know, we can, we can change what they are to us by shifting the frame. Um, with, with, with dead people whose whole lives are lived, you know, you can kind of, you know, you look at Abraham Lincoln's early life and you say, oh, wow, okay, so he was a complete failure at everything he attempted to do. And you look at his later life and you say, no, he was a transformational figure in the history of a nation. Um, you know, and they're both true, but, you know, how how wide is your frame on that person? Or you can take kind of present day and people get, you know, embroiled in scandals like like an Andrew Cuomo. So the frame shifts and suddenly our whole experience of that person, of that of that facet of reality, is 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 changed, and then you know it seems sometimes sometimes that that frame that shifts it it's kind of you know I'm not really sure who the agent is. It's just oh that's newsworthy. That's what's broken, and I guess there's a background morality that says that's important to focus on, and and then sometimes you know social movements they manage to very very explicitly pick up the frame and shift it and say, no, we got to focus on this. You, you thought Harvey Weinstein was, um, you know, this creative titan. Actually, he was a bad person. Well, yeah, right? I think about this with Andrew Cuomo. Without the Me Too movement, this would be a really different kind of story, right? Because it, it's, I mean, here's a guy who's divorced, un, unmarried, is, is, you know, making romantic gestures and things toward women uh you know it, it there was a time in a there was a time in in polit- american political life where this would not have been necessarily career ending kind of potentially kind of thing but the frame has changed about the way we look at boundaries in the workplace about the nature of women's you know what what kind of 
space a, a woman is entitled to and what violates that and that kind of thing. So that it's a really, mm. yeah, you're right. I think, I, I also think that the, the biggest frame shifter in American public life in, in my adult lifetime, the, the biggest and quickest was the marriage equality movement. I mean, the, around same sex marriage that happened so quickly relative to social movements. I mean, that was so effective and, and, and moved so quickly. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. Um, you know, I, a lot of the country now, even if you're, it, there's even a, a, a decent swath of cultural conservatives that support marriage equality. And that happened over like a decade, really. So, which is, it, which is crazy. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's hmm. crazy in the sense of, I mean, not in a bad way. I mean, it's, it's remarkable how quickly hmm. a, a, a movement that, that really was thoughtful and knew how to tell a story moved public sentiment. So it's interesting to think of, you know, to think of social movements as efforts to, to consciously shift the frame and to say, you know, you've been paying attention to this. You should have, we should be paying attention to that. Or, or we should have always been in paying attention to this, or, or look at this other stuff that we could be paying attention to. That this is what social movements are doing, is trying to bring into frame stuff that was that was excluded from it. And, and I think you're absolutely right that the the capacity to to sh- shift the frame um, by kind of by 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 spreading a new way of seeing is is much 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 stronger now because of the technologies that we have available to kind of you know find one another and and amass amass public support around them but so i mean we so we could definitely go down that path and i'm happy to keep exploring that path if you want because you know there's there's so much to explore around social movements today i think what's also interesting and I hope this comes out in, in, in the kind of in-person conversation we managed to put together on March 21st. But, you know, this question about what does the frame make you see, I think is also an invitation to, to look for the hidden movements. You know, I think, for example, of, um, you know, friends in arts and culture, or, or think, you know, the very people who are explicitly picking up the tools of, 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 of culture, like, uh, people who work in branding, um, you know, they have a real awareness that, you know, we in the arts and culture industry, we, we're not simply, you know, generating entertainment for society. We, we, are, we are constructing the frames through which the rest of society looks at whatever it is we're showing them. So, um, and I remember uh, a conversation I had with a brand executive and, and he's doing a... He's doing a, a project, a branding project for an Israeli uh, artificial intelligence company. And it gave me a chance to kind of talk to him about something that's always kind of confused and interested me, which is that if I do a Google image search for artificial intelligence, all the pictures are the same. Um, apparently, artificial intelligence is blue. <laughs> that is the color of AI, right? Um, and it's always a kind of, you know, vaguely like Will Smith, iRobot, some very human form robot, or it's like a picture of a human brain, but it's with blue digital circuitry and stuff like that. And I said, like, why is there only one visual understanding of artificial intelligence? And, and he said, oh, that's because that's what Ridley Scott brought to popular culture was, was that conception of that's what AI looks like. 
and nobody else recognizes it, but but we're all working within the frame that he offered to society. And and I think that that's you know that's also the kind of the opportunity yeah. to to get conscious about the unconscious framing that is without which we could not live. Um, it's interesting you say the, the, the Ridley Scott thing because, or just the way that that we're, we're thinking about that picture. I was talking with a minister friend who was saying that uh, he was reading. Uh, who's the author of? Uh, hominids um you're seriously asking me to know that <laughs> no you know the guy um sapiens no sapiens who's the author oh of yeah uval harari uval harari i can't, I can't I never remember his name so he was saying he was reading some stuff in harari and he was saying like that religion's going to die out because as ai becomes more powerful what and we do use ai for more decisions that w- why would ai prioritize religion and i said well it's interesting you say that have you ever watched ba- the remake of battlestar galactica and he's like no i'm like there's a picture where the ai is religiously obsessed right and actually it right. rejects the human religion in, in form of a, of a of a kind of monotheism that it sees as sort of superior to this human when it sees this human superstitious religion and i'm like look that's just a different picture a different frame of an ai that wants to be human Ah, so I think, you know, this is really clear. So maybe what would be helpful, I think there's a helpful distinction for us to make between um, like visible frames and hidden frames. Yeah. You know, if we're talking about uh, marriage equality, that is now that is now become a visible frame. Um, a good example of a hidden frame, I think, or, or still hidden frame is, you know, a frame like artificial intelligence now, what does that mean? Where did this right, concept right. come from? This is—it's not like it's not like indelibly inscribed in the stars that that's what you call that stuff. That—that's—that's that's a construction, and and that we've constructed it that way. We call it artificial intelligence, and and we've got a picture in our head of it's like a human brain but a machine. It has it has really fo- focused our attention on the potential for replacement it's sort of the 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 machine thinking like a human and replacing the human thinking but you know what if what if instead we because it's 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 not that at all it's something very different i mean if we thought about it instead as alien intelligence is that this is intelligence but it is it doesn't behave at all the way human intelligence does then then we might spend a lot less time thinking about you know how can we use this to replace human performance and and maybe spend more time exploring like what how could we use this to explore different ways of thinking um i love that term alien even though it sounds very arresting this there was a guy paul griffiths who was a christian theologian at duke university and he's written a lot about how how the christian tradition deals with other traditions. And he says, I don't like to say other religions because it's too prejudicial. He's like, I like to say alien particularity because then, <laughs> then he's like, he says, the reason I say alien particularity is because That's you don't not going to catch on. I'm just right, not, it's, yeah, I, 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 I don't I'm mean to disappoint him. I'm trying to sell it. But, but the reason I like that is like, he's like, look, the reason, once you start using this term religion or something, 
then you're going to categorize everything kind of the same way. Well, right. it's, it, oh, it's one this, of those, right? Yeah. Right. And is it really a good religion if they don't do this, this, this? And he's like, how do we take it on its own terms? Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so Much that thing, easier. alien intelligence is great because it, it, it says it's, it's a different form of intelligence. It doesn't bias it with a term like artificial. I, I love that. I think that term, again, alien is such an arresting term just in, 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 contemporary english parlance but i love it because i think it's helpful it, it, again i think it's an ex for me you expanded the frame a bit hmm. well so and maybe this is an obscure example but you know you and you and i have been social scientists we get this i mean you think of so think of what social science does you know you collect data and you try to figure out well what causes that you know why will some people get a vaccine and others not and, you know, the best sort of social science model we might do or, you know, someone at Harvard might do, you know, it has maybe a dozen variables in it. You know, it does some fancy, what we think of as fancy mathematics to determine that, you know, these are these three or eight variables. They explain 35 percent of why some people get a vaccine and others don't. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of we think of that as a good result. But, you know, if we threw, you know, all the data that exists into some algorithms that said, okay, like explore, explore a model to explain this, you know, the, the, the efficient model that explains it, it, it may have a thousand dimensions to it, but it's, it's the most efficient explanation. We can't possibly get in there ourselves and understand it because we just don't think in that way. Um, but this alien intelligence could. And and what would our relationship to an intelligence that we can't like right now, you know, I, I, I think of, you know, conversations with um, you know, policymakers here in Europe and you know, they're trying to figure out laws to sort of govern artificial intelligence and you know, and what makes good AI. And one of the things that they say is it should be possible to explain the decision back to humans. If we're gonna use the AI to make decisions for us, then it should be able to explain the decision, you know, because of X, Y, and Z. But for an alien intelligence, who can't explain it in terms that we understand, it's it it it's the it's the best model to explain it. But it, we can't translate it back. Um, it would be a completely different relationship. So so that's a bit of an obscure sort of rabbit hole I just went down. But but I think the yeah the general thing that there are so many hidden frames, and often you know what it's like it's like. Look for the nouns. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just just take every any news article that that is talking about you know something hot and topical, and just circle the nouns and look at those and say like, what does this help me see, and what is it what does it hide from view? Yeah, the thing I was thinking too earlier was about the way we use frames selectively, or we import you know that we, that we. So I was thinking about. You know, when Plato is 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 emerging on the scene, and oh yeah, I was century. thinking the same thing. Plato, exactly. It all goes to Plato. It all goes back to Plato. I swear, but you yeah, sleep with Plato. <laughs> I, exactly. I'm not actually. I'm not a huge Platonist, but I think he's really interesting. But you have philosophers before him, like Heraclitus, that said reality is change, flux. It's it's mercurial. It's like you know, you never step in the same river twice. And then you have people like Pythagoras. It's like no, being is really. Real being is, is, is like geometry. It's, it's spiritual. It's abstract. It's, it's not physical. It never changes. Hmm. And Plato kind of comes along and tries to say, well, 
how do we synthesize this? So he says, well, there, there's the mercurial part of reality, the physical world, and then there's the world of the forms that is really eternal, right? And so the, so you never have really seen a pure triangle when you draw it because you could never get the angles pure because of physical reality and a pencil, there was dust and things like that. But it's, it's, it's mimicking something like the eternal form of triangleness, right? But then also he thinks the, the most real thing about you, you change, your hair grows, you're, you get hangnails. You're, but the most real thing about you is your soul. <laughs> you get yeah, hangnails. hangnails. I don't always say hangnails, but you could <laughs> die of one in 6th century Greece. But, you know, you, for Plato, the, the most enduring thing about you is your soul, your eternal soul, which kind of is the, the real you, right? And then the thing that's changing and in flux is the physical you. Now, it's amazing to me how many of us walk around and occasionally use that frame, even though we know it's completely – none of us in, in science and social science, we'd never think in that frame, right? But we use the term like soulmates and things like this, that, that when it serves us or in religious contexts, in certain philosophical contexts, we borrow that frame, right? Even though most of the world around us, we'd find that frame obsolete, Right. Like we, like it's just doesn't, it's not how we, but then there are certain times when it's serviceable, when it seems kind of romantic. It's nice to think that you have a soul, right? Even, even though what we know scientifically is when, when your physical composure changes, it changes what Plato thought of as the soul, right? That your cognitive things, your emotional. So, so it's just, but, but, but again, the frame hasn't died, right? It's still there, even though philosophically, it's it, and and just everything we at the, the entire way we indwell the world for the for the average educated reflective late modern person in the West pushes totally against that frame. But we but we found a place for it, hmm. which is just interesting how we how we selectively import things into the frame uh, and, and let them have interpretive let them do interpretive work in some places and in others we don't let it happen. There's a. Sorry, I had to move my cat. Hey, you always have to move the cat. The cats, they, the, the cats. Um, boy, I would love to somehow get inside the consciousness of a cat and just understand, you know, this, 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 this place that I live in. What, what is it to you? I, I think it's probably far less visual and much more uh, zones of hot and cold. <laughs> <That's> not <laughs> enough. Not enough mice. Not enough birds. Not enough mice. Not enough birds. <laughs> Um, it's my turn now, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to say something smart. Is your eternal soul on, on pause? I, I guess, yeah, I can't help but, so there seems to be, I think a lot, another, you know, big idea um, is around cultural change. There, it, that seems to be a place where um, a lot of people go to describe what's happening uh, in the world now. You know, there's a lot of technological change underway. It, there's just a lot of um, change in, in, in kind of the situation that it seems that humanity is in, you know, whether you're paying attention to, you know, changing economics um, globally or, 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 or changing politics and changing technologies and and it's all kind of one of the one of the kind of catch-all ways that people are making sense of it is to talk about cultural change 
And it occurs to me that, you know, one of the ways to, to understand well, what does it mean when we talk about a culture changing is, is it's kind of the aggregate shifting of many frames of many ways of seeing things. Um, I mean, you talked about sort of, you know, the frame of, 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 of marriage and, and who can marry and, and, and what does that concept include and exclude? Um, you know, and I can see, I can see that, that concept changing further. Like, what does it mean to marry? I mean, I, I think we still kind of have a, you know, kind of a dominant frame, which is it's sort of meant to be a lifelong union. And although often, or maybe the majority of times it isn't, um, it was entered into with that intent. Um, you know, that, that frame may change. And maybe marriage and will, will reach a point like, well, what a dumb idea. Why would right. we, that's not what we should do as such complex individuals. We should think of it as sort of a, um, a, a, a temporary commitment because that's where we're at. Or, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what that world will be. And polyamory is growing. Right. I mean, the polyamorous movement is growing. I mean, it's still a minority, but it's not, it's not a, a fringe minority anymore. Like, it's, 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 it, there's a, it, a lot of polyamorous people, you know, if, especially if you're floating around metro areas, you know, in, in North America, I'm sure Western Europe, it's, it's becoming more, more mainstream. I just can't help but think, um, You'll have to edit that out. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Poly, you, see, I stymied you at polyamory. Polyamory. That's really. That's really the. I'm not really sure. The, that's that's a word. Stymied or what? Stymied you at polyamory? Or Poly you were stymied? Polyamory. Uh, yeah, I can't stymie. Polyamory is the word. Yeah. Polyamory is the word. Hey. Yeah, po like like multiple loves. Um, or if you're polyamory or poly polyamorous. Which I'm familiar with. I'm not familiar with the Paul polyamory. Yeah, it's it's people. I mean, if you if you look on, people, I would totally fail that in the spelling bee. That would have been. I would have. I mean, I would have been out before we got to polyamory. I know, but I definitely would have been out at that stage. I mean, they're writing about polyamory in Vogue. I mean, if you go on dating sites, people are identifying. I'm polyamorous. So there are people that like on the front end of a dating site are telling people, "I've got multiple partners." And we are, and, and, and generally there's an emotional connection to these partners. We're not just sleeping around. And it's, and, and a relationship to me will look fluid where, you know, and usually the people I've known, I, I haven't known many, but I've known several who are in polyamorous, it really, that they and their partner both have multiple partners. And oftentimes the other partners know each other. And it's almost like an extended family. And it's, I mean, Again, it, it, str it strikes me, it's hard for me to imagine, right? But that's my frame. It's hard, like, it, you know, you're, but this is an emerging way of framing human love. Then, then I think it's, and, and the thing is, it's not that people are just discreetly having sex, right? They're, they're forming polyamorous bonds. And, and come, it's almost like, you know, people talk about in the pandemic, you, you know, your pod or whatever, oh, we're in my, our pod. You know, it, it, it's the polyamory thing. It's kind of like a pod, right? And you have these different shared connections within it. And it, again, it's sort of, I think if you're, if you've got a traditional view, a, a traditional kind of Western view of, of marriage and family, it's going to seem strange, but, but it doesn't seem, it, to, to the people I know, 
that are involved in these sort of relationships. It's meaningful. It's deep. Um, there's deep loyalties there. It's not, you know, again, we think of it's, it's not promiscuity, right? It's, it's, it's a kind of an expanded, which is how it would have been framed in the past. Right. Right. And, and, and still mm -hmm. people would frame it that way. And I, I Mm -hmm. might've framed Mm -hmm. it that way before I knew people that were polyamorous and it's not, it's not promiscuity. They're like, these people aren't just going out and, um, cruising for sexual liaisons and stuff. It's really, it's sort of like, Hey, do you want to be in the pod in the, you know, do you want to kind of be in, in this sort of circle of trust and connection? So it's just very interesting. I mean, it's very, but, well, but also I think, you know, when you're, when it's interesting too, because I think when you're reframing something like that, right. Or, or, it takes or almost, so much social reinforcement mm, mm. to, to consider you're not crazy. It's interesting. Like I, you know, I, Maybe another one way to think of it is reframing. Another way to think of it is sort of like creating more frames. And I, I think of like before, before, and so I'm thinking back to the conversation I had with, um, with someone about unconscious bias and how he felt that just, just as a, as a frame to understand, uh, something, having that frame be a, a widely understood term it kind of became this shorthand to kind of, okay, now this is a space for creative exploration, that for productive conversation together. Let's talk about unconscious biases. And similarly, you know, the, the, the fact that there is um, just a much broader currency in a concept like polyamory means that, you know, when someone says, okay, I'm going to label that promiscuity, you can say no, no, no. There, there is this other frame. I've got, I've got like, I've got more conceptual resource to 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 explain what it is and help people to see what's inside it. And that that, I, I yeah, it's a, I, I don't have the fully formed thought, but it occurs to me that, that you know the 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 more conscious we can get around around frames and framing, um, just the more. The more resource it gives us, uh, the more leverage it gives us to sort of become, you know, agents of cultural development um, versus versus people who are wondering, you know, why is the culture changing around me? Sorry, I have to let the, the cat out the door. He's really complaining. Give me a second. He's, I know. I can, I can, <laughs> Did you, can you hear that? I don't know I if you can, can hear it. You, okay, I can, you can see, see him it. trying to climb the door. And now that cat be, does not want his frame challenged. No, he's yeah, not, he's not into it. Now he'll be scratching the door to get back in. No, but I think I think what you just said there, though, about about the, the deliberate kind of engaging frames is is and and how that it, it can make you into an agent of cultural building and change is a really good argument or or case for a, a group like Basecamp because m- most of the time it's it's not going to be easy for the average busy person that's reflective but it's just there's so many it takes so much time and intentionality to think about frames right and think about well what do, you, do we have an example of expansion or 
frames going on alongside each other or growing like all that stuff i think t- requires so much space and and pretty good conversation partners who have diverse ways of seeing and articulating things right that all those things are so important and it's it's what i i treasure about basecamp because i get to be with people that think in really different ways than i do very often and put things and i come away really challenged and and usually pretty excited and i you know it's fun to debrief with you on this podcast because i i just I've, I've been in some groups of people i've i've really really enjoyed and some of whom have become friends uh you know like i have all these new canadian friends um <laughs> you know so, <laughs> which is uh you know uh which is great for an american uh and yeah it's just it's 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 a great so i look forward to the space camp because i think it's going to be a really interesting engaging conversation that one and i think one that'll have such like long-term payoff and benefit for so many people like because i think it's it's one of these things like i said that that the the framing question is one you can choose to ignore ignore it but you can't live without it right you live in these frames we're talking about right so you can either you can live one of two ways uh, you can in relationship to the frame you can live consciously in relationship to it or unconsciously in relation to it. So, I mean, I think part of what we're doing is inviting people to a form of conscious dwelling in the frames we live in versus a kind of unreflective um, indwelling of them. So, Right. And, and, and the hope is that by getting us together, you know, many of us who will just bring different frames with us, that that'll be the easiest way, you know, for me to see my own frames is to sit in conversation on a campfire with somebody who doesn't share mine um and and we can kind of help one another to gain that that cognitive edge and just through the strength of our collective diversity i i'm really looking forward to the conversation too i i have the sense that i mean it's going to be a brave conversation i think you know what does the frame make you see what are your frames is the kind of conversation that really invites us to to uh to, to to venture into dangerous territory together yeah. but you know but and and to come back uh enriched enriched um enriched from the experience from from the journey and i mean it, it'll be a terrific opportunity to to um you know to disclose and to receive um in a way that i hope is going to be going to be really really useful and and impactful because i mean yeah, back to back to our David and Goliath example last week. I think the more frames we can see, just the more opportunity we have to play with the possibilities yeah. of of what else they could be. So love with it. that, yeah, I love it too. Can't can't wait. Thanks for listening to the Atlas Project. We'd love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line or send us a message on Facebook. If you really like what we're doing, please rate us on iTunes and write a review. It helps so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks for listening and facing the new world with us.